you've really got to get out of your own mind. You know, a lot of people think when they're um, speaking or, or doing anything, it's, it's like, oh, I'm going to mess up. Oh, I'm going to suck at this. Oh, I'm going to do this. Don't focus on yourself. Focus on what you're going to provide for your guests. And if you mm -hmm. focus on that, that fear kind of goes away because you're thinking about something positive. You're thinking about providing people with value. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Five Talents Podcast. I'm your host, Abel Pacheco. I interview the top commercial real estate investors and industry experts so you can learn from their experiences. So if you're an investor, a high W-2 earner or real estate or tech sales professional that wants to invest in real estate without having to manage properties or leave your day job, then this podcast is for you. Or if you're already investing in real estate, but you're doing it part-time and you wanna become a full-time multifamily or full-time commercial real estate investor, this podcast is for you too. You're gonna learn a ton. You will learn from real life multifamily investors and other professionals in the industry. They're gonna share their blueprints for success. And I'm super excited that you're here. So I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, hello, Abel Pacheco here, your host for the Five Talents Podcast, where we talk about multifamily, financial freedom, uh, passive investing, uh, action taking, among other topics. But anyways, I, I am super excited to uh, introduce you to my friend, Kyle Mitchell. He's an amazing guest uh, on our show. I'm super excited to have him here. Uh, you know, for those, well, first, Hey, Kyle. How's it going, man? Thanks for joining. Uh, it's, it's going great, man. Thanks for having me on today. <laughs> yeah, man. I almost got, I almost started rolling right into your intro because, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's a great one. For, uh, let me start here and I'll, you know, give my listeners just a few nuggets of why they should, you know, take a moment, pull out a pad and a uh, pen if they're near one and take some notes or, or rewind later if they're in the car. But so Kyle, you've had a, just a tremendous background in multifamily syndication uh, as an individual, you know, going from, you know, I think a, a, a $1.65 million deal, which even that number is impressive enough, but all the way scaling to, you know, $15 million uh, deal and property acquisition. And, and now you've got about $17 million assets under management. You're the partner and co-founder of APT Capital Group. You know, you, you have an, an inspiring mission as well. Positively impact the lives of your investors and the communities in which you invest in. And that transparency that you provide, the fiduciary responsibility that you give them is unlike, you know, any other. And I really, really just appreciate, you know, all of the content, all the education, all the resources that you put out. And uh, man, that, that's through the podcast. What's the name of your podcast, Kyle? Uh, it's Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate. Yeah, so if you guys are looking for another one to join, I've, I've learned a lot myself about passive income, uh, multifamily real estate. You have you know really have a lot of you know, heavy-hitting experts in the industry to help educate, clarify for passive investors. And you know, you've got a background in operations yourself, uh, you've, some management, logistics, you've overseen multi-million dollar businesses, and that passion really comes through, you know, really doing the same thing for the, in the syndication space. So anyways, very excited to have you, if you can't tell, man. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited <laughs> to be here as well. So I'm looking forward to this chat. I'll turn it over to you. If you can, please give my listeners, uh, give them a little bit of background, like, you know, where you came from and what you're doing today. Yeah, absolutely. So born and raised in Southern California, I still live out here. 
And uh, in my previous career, I was a regional manager for a golf management company. So general manager and regional manager of one of the largest golf courses that our company uh, managed in Southern California. And so I did that for 15 years. So it was all about hiring and firing and managing people, implementing systems, much of what we do today in the apartment world. In 2015, I just wasn't happy with my job. And I had been investing in real estate since about 2010, uh, mainly started with some single family homes and learned quickly that it was difficult to scale. So I kind of hit pause in 2014, 2015 to kind of readjust my investment strategy. And at that time, I was just trying to make some passive income while I um, had my full-time job. I really enjoyed what I did. But in 2015, I got burnt out and I wanted to do something that you know I was passionate about, but also that uh, I had control of, really. Um, and so I wanted to go out on my own. It did take two years to kind of figure out what that was. But when I found multifamily in 2017, I absolutely fell in love with the business model. It really spoke to me and what I did on a day-in, day-out basis. I could do the same thing um, in multifamily, really. So uh, 11 months later, I quit my job to pursue this full-time. And, and that's kind of the end of the story. And uh, <laughs> just now I'm a full-time multifamily real estate investor. Yeah, man. That's uh, so so awesome. So encouraging. I know that my original goal you know, in real estate investing was I wanted to own 10 single family houses and mm-hmm. have passive income and retire. Mine too. You know, the same kind of thing. <laughs> yep. I, I, don't, I don't know what it is, but I hear this a lot. And I said it myself, $10,000 of passive income a month. And once I can do that, that's it. That's it. And then somewhere along the way, I, similar to you, I just, I was like, no, I got to do something a little bit faster. So anyways, that's, uh, that's awesome, man. So I, I do want to hit on a few topics, asset management, property management, some of the uh, just nuggets that you've learned and you apply yourself uh, but before we do that, the one other you know area was what led you to like leave your professional gig and head over to multifamily real estate investing? And then what was the, man, maybe you can give us some hardships, some ups and downs in that transition, like either mentally or literally at the house, you know, whatever it was, because I'm sure a lot of people have this on their mind for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I had been in my career for quite a while. I made good money, but- I looked at my 401k balance, to be honest with you, and my savings, and I said, I'm going to be doing this for a very long time. You know, there was just nothing going on. I would have to, I just needed to grow and expand in another way. I was kind of at the top of my game in the golf space. My company was shrinking. The golf business was shrinking, and I wanted to be growing. And so there wasn't any more room for growth, which meant I was going to be stuck in that job for quite a while. And so that's when I started looking for other things and having more control of my time and also more control of my wealth. And, uh, you know, I'd already been investing in real estate for quite a while. I knew I liked it. I'm not a stock market person at all. And so I decided to kind of research and and, uh, look into that. And then I found multifamily. As far as the transition, you know, very, very difficult, to be honest. I've, I was a W-2 employee for 21 years, basically. And yeah. so every day you come in, you know, and you're kind of dictated what you have to do. You've got deadlines, you've got to get this, 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 and this. And when you're an entrepreneur or a real estate investor, you do what you want to do. And everything that you decide to do has an impact on your business positively or negatively. And so really, it was trying to find a structure that worked for me, because everybody's different, right? Some people can just sit down and work and get the right things done. And other people need more structure. For me, I need more structure. So it was about finding myself. And it took me three, four, five months to really find myself and find my groove and my work schedule. But, you know, it it came down to planning things out in advance, 
writing it down, having it on my whiteboard, crossing them off, but having goals and, and understanding, you know, picking which is the one thing that I need to accomplish today that's going to move our business forward and then cross that off the list and then kind of go from there. So that was certainly a struggle. Working from home is not easy. You know, I'm here basically 24 seven, especially now with COVID <laughs> going on. So yeah. um, going out to meetups and things like that was kind of my getting out where, you know, when I was working, I was out and about all day and then would come home. So it's certainly a transition uh, to get into, but uh, you know, you work your way around it and you just try different things and uh, you find what's best for you. There's no one way. Uh, it's what's best for your personality, your characteristics, all those types of things. So, yeah, absolutely. Some great nuggets, you know, in there and, uh, you know, find what works best for you and then, you know, get it done. And some of the things I heard from you, uh, which is, is funny enough, cause I, I hear this often from students, coaching students that, that I have, and I, we always start with like goal setting and everyone always goes, ah, oh, you, can, you can see it in their eyes or their sigh. And they go, again, like goal setting. And we're like, yeah, pretty much every good success comes from knowing what you want, writing down your goals, going after them, achieve them. And I heard what you, you know, writing them down the whiteboard and crossing them off. And there's your daily mission or quarterly or monthly or whatever that is, right? So yeah, I mean, I, I read my goals every day. So I have my current year goals and my five-year goals. And I read those every single day on top of the daily goals, you know, and the weekly goals that I need to accomplish. So I, I think goals are extremely important to set and, and go after. If you don't have anything to measure yourself against, it's very tough to uh, achieve anything. Uh, another thing I hear often is, I want to do as many as I can. I want to buy as much as I can. I want to earn as much as I can. And so that's kind of, you know, very much contradiction of exactly what you just said, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, you, you got to have that goal. You got to set it and, and uh, go after it. And specifically, the, you know, the old school smart goals, uh, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time-driven, write them, write them down. So th this is helpful because this is a good transition point. So you're talking about these goals, like, hey, you're writing them down, you're getting after them. What types of goals do you have for like, you know, your, the apartment complexes, the multifamily syndications that you manage uh, that have to pertain to like your asset management? Maybe you can walk us through some of those numbers or KPIs or metrics and, you know, just really jump into a, a conversation here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, we have our weekly calls with our property management company where we review uh, all sorts of different KPIs every week. Um, and different targets, but we also have, you know, our target rents that we want to get to. And we've got over 50 KPIs that we track and it's on a dashboard wow. and we get those updated. Some get updated daily, some get updated weekly, some just monthly. And uh, we use, you know, a, a software service for that to uh, upload and uh, integrate with our property manager's software, which is Yardi. And uh, we look at that and we track trends. And based on those trends, we make decisions on our business. And we talk to our property management company about implementing systems in place to improve on those processes. And, mm -hmm. you know, as an asset manager, the biggest thing and the goal is to identify bottlenecks as early as possible, if not before it even happens, so that you can implement the systems to streamline it, improve it, and then move on to the next thing that's causing a problem. Property management, asset management, you know, owning a property, every day there's a different challenge. Every day there's, you know, 
a fire or a tenant that's not, you know, um, paying rent or whatever it is. And so asset management is really putting all the systems in place to help constantly improve your property so that by the end of it, you know, a lot of your systems are streamlined and there's already systems in place before something bad happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that, man. Identify them before they happen. Yep. So you're, you're looking at these 50 K- KPIs, some of them more important than other. Well, they're all important. Some of them you watch daily. Some of them you watch Certainly. weekly. Some of them are monthly. You're identifying the trends, you know, basically the ups and downs and, you know, hey, this one's negative twice in a row. What gives, right? Before it becomes uh, an issue, right? So give yep. us a Maybe give us a few examples. Well, before we get any examples, which are the, what are the daily, which ones are the weekly and which are the monthly? Like, what do you watch like Hawk's Eye every single, every single day? And then maybe walk us in a weekly and monthly. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Oh, uh, damn, man. And not, not all of them. The 50, yeah. Well, 50 is so, a ton, right? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, <laughs> but, I mean, you know, mon- monthly, is, monthly is going to be like NOI and collections and, yeah. you know, bottom line performance and things like that. Makes weekly sense. Weekly is going to be traffic uh, coming into the property. How many and, new uh, applicants I mean, coming in? How many people filled out an application? Okay, yep, gotcha. Yep, exactly. And then weekly is probably going to be things like um, – you know, eh, that's probably monthly too. Sources, how much we're spending on each lead source and on the traffic to see which one's the most efficient, things like that. So the things that I really pay attention to a lot right now is our occupancy and pre-lease because COVID right now, we want to maintain our occupancy. That's extremely important. And then also our lead conversion. That's a really big thing. And even though I just said we we mainly look at those weekly, we review them weekly with our property management company. And, you know, mm-hmm. we want to know how many leads we're averaging a week and we want to make sure that that maintains or actually probably, you know, grows every week if possible, the number of leads. Mm-hmm. And then the leads being comper- converted into appointments and then into showings and then into applications and then mm-hmm. actual leases. So we track the conversions from one to another. And by doing that, instead of saying, okay, today we had 50 leads and we had two lease ups, yeah. you don't know anything that happened in between there. So it's very difficult to understand where the bottleneck is. But if you had 50 leads and only one appointment, you know that there's an issue with your leasing manager converting leads to appointments, mm-hmm. whether those are bad leads or yep. your property man or your manager is just not getting to them uh, or selling it hard enough. So there, you know, the, the issue now you can focus on that. Okay. How do we convert leads into appointments? So we, we like to identify, and that's how we identify the bottlenecks is just by breaking it down and peeling back the onion a little bit further than normal people would. I mean, most people just look at it and say, okay, we got two leads out of 50. We need to improve there. But what does that mean? You know, how do you improve? Mm-hmm. And there's no way to really know unless you peel back the onion a little bit further and go by each of those steps. I have a feeling some of our, uh, some of our listeners, uh, probably a good amount of them are sales guys, IT guys. Uh, I've had a you know, 13 year run in, in that side of the, uh, pro- my professional world. And exactly what Kyle was mentioning is, is the lead funnel that we've talked for years or I've talked years about. And it's, man, it's the top of funnel. How many, how many more can you market to get in the top of the funnel, whatever business, because that's a lot of people miss is multifamilies. It's not a single family house. It's not a home. It's a business. It's a $15 million business. And you're trying to figure out how to drive as much leads uh, to the top of the funnel as you can. 
and on the bottom of this funnel, you know, if there's only two, if you can't identify, like Kyle said earlier, identify where the issue occurs, then you don't know if, to, if it's the problem with your conversion, your sales tactic, or like he said, you're, you're marketing to the wrong sources. You got the wrong people coming in. You got to redirect that marketing dollar in. So, man, that's, that's just like a, a, a business, not 100%. a real estate property. I love it. Yep. So, thanks for highlighting that. Uh, I think that's important for uh, the new general partners and new, uh, you know, maybe even passive investors to ask their syndicator operator how they do those things. So you've interviewed some, some really, you know, quality experts on your podcast. You have done a number of hosts on other people's podcasts. There's so much, many nuggets you've probably learned along the way. Um, give us, you know, one of your best one or two nuggets in the asset management uh, side of the house for, uh, what, whatever, whatever you want to drop on us, man. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing with asset management is other than tracking the data and measuring it is mm -hmm. the follow-up, the keys in the follow-up. And this is just like sales, right? If you don't follow up, you're not going to get the sale. I mean, 90% of sales happen with the follow-up, not with the initial outreach. <laughs> yeah. And that's the same with asset management. I mean, you need to follow up with your team and with your staff to make sure things are getting done the right way. And it just takes training and coaching and time. I mean, you're not dictating, but you're just coaching along, moving along, following up, making sure the process is where you want it to be. Otherwise, you're just, it's just chaos, right? So yeah. uh, biggest thing, measure and follow up. Yeah, that's, those are great ones. You're absolutely right. The, the money's in the follow-up and the uh, same applies to the asset management side. So you're also, um, you know, one of those regarded experts in managing managers, right? You don't manage your properties yourself. You hire property managers to, do, to manage your properties. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. So uh, you're managing the managers, right? They're the guys, our team that's doing a bunch of the work. So, you know, talk us through like, how you actually do that. Yeah. The biggest mistake is thinking you're going to get into real estate, hire a third party property management company and that let them just uh, drive the boat and execute on your business plan. We're not hands and, off. Uh, We're not hands off. Right. Here. We're not hands <laughs> off here. So, um, and, and there is a balance here for sure that you need to play because you can't be a micromanager that's on top of them all the time. You really have to be a partner and work with them to accomplish a common goal. And so that's kind of where it starts up front is making sure you choose the right property management company. We spent four months vetting our property management companies. It wasn't like we bought our first property and then we were searching for our property management company. I mean, we were out in the market vetting these people, having lunch and dinner with them, understanding how they communicate, how they email, uh, what their systems, what their infrastructure was. And we chose one and we've been happy with them and they work in both of the markets that we're in and we're extremely happy with them. And so we, we spent a lot of time vetting them there and really communicating upfront what our expectation was. And so when we went into our first deal together, they already knew what our expectation was and kind of how we worked. And then you work together and it's all about how you communicate things. You can try to accomplish the same thing, but say it two different ways. And one way is very abrasive and, hey, get this done, do it now um, or else. Or it's like, hey, this is the reason why we want to get this done. It's going to help you in the end because of this and we're all going to benefit from it. So um, a lot of that communication comes there. And, and, and managing the manager has more to do with the communication, uh, being proactive and working with them as a team and a partner to get an accomplished goal. Those are great nuggets. Uh, did you... 
uh, learn this in the professional world? Did you learn it by doing in the real estate side, mixture of both? A uh, mixture of both, but a lot of my background was management operations is exactly what I'm talking about right now. I did this for 15 years and I learned a lot during that, that time. And so I bring a lot of that from there. But as you manage property management companies, you know, there's differences between real estate and, and the golf course business for sure. There's a lot of similarities that I was able to take over, but there was a transition period there too. Um, so you learn as you do it as well. But again, if you're working in tandem with your property management company, um, as a partner, you work together through those issues. Hello, hello. You're listening to the Five Talents Podcast. I'm your host, Abel Pacheco. If you're enjoying this podcast, then I know you're serious about achieving financial freedom. Are you ready to create your own path through multifamily investing for yourself and your family? Then I know you're going to appreciate our investor's guide to multifamily investing. It's titled Tackling Commercial Real Estate the Easy Way. We use this guide to invest ourselves in $93 million worth of real estate. So we're gonna show you the basic mechanics of multifamily syndications and how to evaluate your next passive investment opportunity. So the best part, if you subscribe to our podcast now, leave us a review and a rating, I'm gonna give you a free copy of our ebook. So please take a moment to do that now. Once you've done that, go to 5tcre.com forward slash ebook, 5tcre.com forward slash ebook. Make sure to let us know you left a review and we're going to send you a free copy. So thank you so much for subscribing to the Five Talents Podcast. We really appreciate it. Really the time and effort and energy it took you to find the right team. Uh, that sounds like, you know, that that's, a lot of the heavy lifting up front, as you mentioned. So uh, maybe give us an example uh, or an idea of like why you chose this property manager and why you decided not to choose the other. Like what was their communication style that didn't work or what was the, you know, the delivery that, you know, th that didn't allow you to, Hey, I didn't choose this team for a reason. What was that? And what yeah, was the reason you chose yours? You know, we interviewed about 10 different groups. And to be honest, there's probably five that are the top five in, in our uh, markets. Um, and some of them just didn't get back to me at all. And so that eliminated them right off there the bat. Half. Yeah, they, um, they, they self-selected out. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, other ones, you. I would ask questions and I would get incomplete answers or I would get an email back two weeks later. And so, you know, their time is not – or they were not showing me that I was valuable. Now, this is difficult when you're first starting out because you're a newbie investor. You don't have any property mm. in that market and you're asking them all these questions. But this particular property management company um, spent the time answering my questions, spent the time meeting us at the properties to tour when other ones were too busy. And I could literally call the owner of this property management company right now, get them on the phone. And this isn't a small property management company. They manage over 20,000 units. You know, they've got yeah. a full infrastructure. They've got an accounting team, a marketing team. And so we like the infrastructure mixed with the personal relationship. That was really important. And so we don't have a mom and pop, um, real estate or a property management company. You know, they have the full infrastructure to get the job done, but they also have a personalized side that we really liked. And they're extremely responsive. And for me, I like when I send an email, I like to get it back same day if I can, right? And so they are very, very good at that. Yeah. And this is, uh, you know, one of the things I, I'm in my head, I, I go through this and I said, well, 
he's not going to manage the property himself because that's not the job or the that's the it's not where you wanted to spend your time when you thought right. about multifamily investing you're not going to take leases you're not going to rehab units you're not going to do any of that stuff so you need to find somebody to help you but you need to find you know that expert that professional uh that can do it the way you want it done it's also going to help a newer investor you know as you get going so all of those things together and they're not going to spend their time if you have a 20 unit property with you, right? right. Or a you know, 15 unit or an eight unit or man, I don't know, 50 may even be kind of there a little too small. So, uh, well, I, I don't know the, 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 the prices in, in your market, but it had to be sizable enough, $15 million property on your side uh, to attract their attention. And that's probably one of the main reasons that we like multifamily of this size and the scale. Could, can you elaborate a little bit on that? Am, am I close? Am I right? Or Yeah, well, so our first property was 42 units. I had to work with the owner on, on a lot of stuff. And I said, look, we're real buyers. We're going to continue to grow and scale. And he believed in me. But I had a lot of things already set up that provided credibility to us, whether it was our meetup, you know, podcast, website, all that stuff. And so he went and checked us out. And he said, okay, look, I, I believe in these guys. They look like they're going to grow. And then three weeks after we closed on that first one, we got the $15 million property, right? So um, nice. there was, nice. that's the other reason why I really enjoyed this relationship with this uh, property management company is because I could talk with them and work with them on certain things. But certainly the larger you get, the more money they make, which is great, which is, you know, and you can take advantage of the scale behind it. The other reason why we love this property management company is they have an in-house GC and in-house rehab team. And especially right now where it's very difficult to find um, good workers. It's very difficult to find supplies. They have the scale and leverage to be able to to do that right now. So even though rehabs are taking a little bit longer than we wanted, they're not completely slowed down. Yeah, I love it. That That's some good insight, right? And that's the time that Kyle invested to really find the right team, uh, probably a little selling on his side. Hey, we're not just going to buy this first mm -hmm. property. We're going to go do bigger deals. And uh, let's, you know, let's talk about that you know, that, that track uh, record and that level of success and the capital raise that you've done from, from then till now. So before you had that first, you know, really sizable property, I heard, did, did I hear a uh, meetup and, you know, what are the things you had already in place to give you credibility at that point? Yeah. So, you know, we did not close on our first deal for 18 months and wow. we found it about 13 months into our journey. And I'm actually grateful now that it happened that way because we probably would not have been prepared six months earlier. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we were building our investor database and list from day one for 18 months until we raised money on our, on our um, first deal. And I think that's the most important is that you've always got to be building your investor database. Yeah. You can't just start when you have a deal. So we started with a meetup. After we got comfortable with a meetup, we started a podcast. After that, we started doing webinars online. Mm -hmm. After that, we started a second episode of our podcast. And now we're moving on to a summit. And so it's about constant improvement, constantly pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, and then constantly building that credibility kit and, you know, really adding value back to others is what we're doing. I mean, we're just giving free content, free value to others to help educate them in the space and help them make the right decision for what is good for them and their mm -hmm. families. Yeah. The first time I met you, um, it, well, in person, right? Mm -hmm. Met you in person. I already felt like I knew you. I went up to you. I was like, hey, man, my, nice to meet you, Abel Pacheco. And, and you're like, yeah, yeah, you know, kind of seen your face or whatever, but 
I already felt like I had, you know, a relationship with you because I've heard you so many other times. And that credibility was, is it's absolutely key. You're raising capital, right? People want to know, like, and trust you. And, you know, if they've already sped up that, that relationship, so to speak, through hearing you giving value, giving away free content, trying to do that, that, I mean, that, that goes miles and miles and miles with an investor, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I enjoy it now, to be honest. I did it at first um, because that's what my coaches told me I had to do. I was really, <laughs> I mean, I'm an introvert yeah. at heart and a lot of people uh, believe that, but yeah. you know, I was freaked out during my first meetup and uh, <laughs> I was not enjoying it. And now I just, I love helping people. I love, nice. you know, providing people with uh, value and uh, you know, it comes back um, in spades. So uh, I really love it. Enjoy it. Yeah. So uh, before I kind of move on, because I want to ask more about the capital raise, but before we do that, you mentioned the word or introvert, you are an introvert. And I am like, I'm exactly the opposite, brother. I'm I'm extrovert. I like getting out there. I've always been in front of people. So it kind of almost felt like easy for me to do so. For you, my wife's an introvert, and I know Mm -hmm. how hard it is for her to like, extend her hand say hello introduce herself what what are some of the you know the either the mental hurdles the limiting beliefs the you know any any kind of nugget for any other introverted you know individual that's kind of in that same spot what advice what insight can you give them to help help them kind of push through that yeah, the thing that I did was um, my wife helped me and she's an extrovert, right? And so she, <laughs> yeah. she was there to kind of help me along with the meetups, which is fantastic to have a partner who can make you feel a little bit more comfortable. But you've really got to get out of your own mind. You know, a lot of people think when they're um, speaking or, or doing anything, it's, it's like, oh, I'm going to mess up. Oh, I'm going to suck at this. Oh, I'm going to do this. Don't focus on yourself. Focus on what you're going to provide for your guests. And if you mm-hmm. focus on that, that fear kind of goes away because you're thinking about something positive. You're thinking about providing people with value and every single person can benefit from something you have to say. Now it takes thought and, and definitely work to figure out what that is, but you know, you have a voice and you have an audience too, and you're going to relate to certain people, but focus on them, not you. And I think that takes a lot of pressure off me when I think about it that way. Hey, that, that's good. Good. Uh, that's good wisdom, even for the extrovert. You know, I, when, when you say uh, you're inside your own head, I, I am still like, even though I do enjoy being in the front of the room, I'm always still thinking sometimes as I'm talking, like, mm-hmm. oh, was that the right thing to say? Or was that? The, oh, maybe I'm going to come across, you know, you know, wrong in the wrong way. And like, forget about all the stuff. Just, you know, get your value. If you have it, it like, I think what you another a uh, core thing I heard was now you enjoy giving back, helping others, giving that education, man, when you have that at the center of why you're doing this, it's so much, it's so much harder to mess up. Yep. <laughs> your goal is helping others. It's, yep. it's hard to mess up when it, when that's your sincere goal, right? Exactly. No, that's awesome. So let's, let's talk about the capital raise. You, you had this platform. Uh, the platform was your meetup. The platform, a second platform was your podcast. The sec, the third was your webinar. Then you did a second, you know, set of podcasts. Now you're going to do this amazing asset uh, management summit, which we'll hit on after the capital raise, but you had that going. How did you leverage that to raise capital? Maybe some tactical things after you invested all that time and effort, how'd you raise capital from it? 
Yeah, I thought capital raising was going to be easy. It is not. And it's actually <laughs> a completely different business than managing apartments. You know, there are two separate business that you need to mold together into one. But the way we did it was communicating with our investors. You know, a lot of coffees, a lot of face-to-face -face meetings, a lot of phone calls. So anyone that uh, fills out an investor application for, for our company, I call every other month. And that list grows and grows and grows. And so that's more and more phone calls that I need to make. But it's proven beneficial. You know, I start to build real relationships with our investors, not just these, hey, I got a deal. Do you want to invest? It's like, <laughs> hey, do you have kids? And how's it going during COVID and all this kind of stuff? So I call them every other, every other month. I call our current investors every quarter because they also get monthly emails and quarterly calls and things like that. But it's, it's staying in contact. You know, we also have a monthly newsletter that we stay in contact with them. We have our emails for our property emails if you are one of our investors. So it's just constantly, they're touch points. Touch points with our investors and people who are interested and continuing to provide value uh, valuable content for them. So, you know, whether it was through the podcast, we really thought out how we wanted that structured and how we want to reach out to our audience, you know, our monthly newsletters, how we want to communicate with them and our meetups and things like that. And so just by helping people and providing value and, and doing all these different things, you reach different people and we were able to build our list. And uh, how, how many, I don't know if you want to talk about any specifics, but feel free to be general or as specific as you want, but how, how much did you raise? And how long, you know, over what time and how many properties yeah. or, you know. So kind of the stuff. first property I raised 900,000, we need to raise a million on that one actually halfway through. I mean, I thought we would raise this in about three weeks, three weeks in, we were only halfway there. And I was like, gulp, what, what am I going to do? Yeah. Because you, you know, had some earnest money know, down. You had some yeah, earnest money yeah. down on a property and et cetera, so for, et cetera. Right. For those that don't know, if, if you don't raise a whole amount, you can't execute your full business plan essentially. Right. And so that's not the way you want to start out. And so, we did bring on partners. We had to switch the lender at the last minute and uh, we brought on some partners and uh, they help with asset management as well. And actually that partner ended up being my full-time partner now where we just merged companies. So partnerships and, and things like that can uh, are important. And that's how we got the second deal, which was 15 million. Without those partnerships, I wouldn't have gotten a second deal. On that second deal, we had to raise 6 million. You know, I brought in, you know, one and a half to 1.7 of that. It was good. So, so the, the more we build our list, the more we communicate with our investors, the more we get out there and get out of our comfort zones, the more our list builds. But for us, it's about finding the right match too. It's not just anyone that wants to invest. We really want the people who believe in us and believe in our cause and believe in what we do. And if it's not the right fit for you, no problem. I'm still happy to help in any way that I can and give you a referral to the many people in our network that can help you. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Oh, that's awesome nuggets. So thank you very much, man. Besides your virtual asset management summit, which I think that's going to be the the big, well, actually, you know, I'll, I'll save that question after. Help me understand what this virtual asset management summit is. Uh, I've seen it. I registered. I saw, you know, four or five days of like, you know, just have, you know, a lot of education, a lot of content. Days. 14 oh, days. <laughs> I saw, I was like, there's a lot yeah. of days here. Yeah. I'm in. And then, and then I go, is, I wonder how much this thing costs. Cause I almost made a decision first. I'm going to do it. Right. And then like, how much does this thing cost? And then I saw like, 
Wait, is this thing right? Is it free? <laughs> it's <laughs> free. It's completely you, free. Man, tell, tell us about free. the whole. Tell us about the whole thing. You know, yeah, what, so, maybe how it got started, and then what you know what it is, et cetera, et cetera. I'm excited. Yeah. So you know, my business partner and I fly out to Arizona quite often pre-COVID, and we spend a lot of time talking about the business, and we really wanted to elevate ourselves and um, separate ourselves. And so we thought, okay, hey, we we should do a conference. You know, I know a lot of people out there are doing a conference, but you know, not the majority. And so when we were thinking about what it could be, our backgrounds are in, in management and operations. And so that's kind of our secret sauce. And we really feel passionately that there is a gap in the market right now. There's a lot of coaching programs on how to get started, how to raise capital, how to get your first deal. And those are all fantastic. And they teach you a lot about multifamily real estate. Yeah. The problem is a lot of them don't teach you what you do after you close on the building. Mm-hmm. How do you manage that? And that's where you're going to manage your investors' money. Yeah, the work really begins there. (laughs) Yeah, this is the most important part, right? Because if you don't know what you're doing, your investors' money is more at risk. And so there's this huge gap there. And so we want to provide value from the best in the industry on what they do after they close on the property. What are the processes, systems, and things that they do to get their NOI up? How do they manage things? And so there's so many small details when it comes to managing a property that people just don't think about, and they can become very overwhelming for people, you know, because it's just all these things coming at once. And if you don't have systems in place, it's a disaster. And so Mm -hmm. that's why we started the Asset Management Summit. It was supposed to be live, but then obviously COVID happened. So we're going virtual. We have over a thousand people and it is completely free. It's going to be spread across 14 days. We found that with a lot of the virtual summits out there, you know, sitting in a chair for eight hours, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it's very difficult to consume all that content Mm -hmm. and really soak it in. So we're breaking it up, two speakers a day for 14 days. We also have a VIP (laughs) fireside chat with each speaker if you want to get involved in that and then it's just $97 for the recordings if you can't make them all and you want them there's going to be over 42 recordings but it's free to to come in we'll send you all the speakers and what they're talking about and you can pop in when you want Uh, that's that's really awesome it's really money can you mention some of the speakers so people get an idea or maybe anybody that's committed or is is that public yet or no yeah yeah yeah. so if you go to amsummit2020.com you can find out all that information and sign up but brad sumrock neil bawa his partner anna myers you know they're really big on data and tracking kpis merrill calliser uh, Michael Becker, one of the biggest names in, in Texas real estate. Gene Trowbridge is going to talk about cash distribution patterns, which is not mm-hmm. something that is often talked about. He, also, he often talks about how to get started in PPM. So we've got him talking about cash distribution patterns. Hunter Thompson, David Thompson. I mean, there's a whole list of people yeah, and they're all, all talking the, about all the right people. It sounds like operations, management, you know, managing the managers, all those things, the systems that you need to put in place to drive your NOI and yep. to kind of bulletproof your business plan. Yeah, that's that's an amazing, amazing uh, venue and, and uh, amount of education. Are y'all doing any networking also, or is it just educational? Yeah, it's just going to be educational, <laughs> although these are going to be streamed live on the Facebook group, but you do need to sign up in order to get the times and the links to get in there. Yeah. But uh, the, the networking will happen on the Facebook group. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. So we can connect there and exchange information, et cetera, et cetera. Yep, absolutely. 
All right. Well, I'm excited. Thank you very much for your time. And uh, man, if our listeners, our you know, investors, partners, anybody listening today wants to get further into your world, besides the asset management side of it, is there where can where can our people kind of reach out to you and and uh, get closer to you, get into your world a little bit? Yeah, I can get my phone number and my email, um, 562-833-5010 or kmitchell at aptcapitalgroup.com. I'm happy to help anyone and uh, you know provide value where I can. Right on. Well, thank you very much for your time. We sincerely appreciate it. I think we you took us through a lot in a short period of time, so it's very, very valuable. Is there anything else that I didn't ask about that you wanted to highlight? Any last, you know, wisdom, just really anything that floors yours and take as much time as, as, as you think you need. Yeah. I mean, just get out of your comfort zones, you know, set, set your goals and get out of your comfort zone. It was something that I hated doing when I first started it. And now my wife and I try and do this three or four times a year. We just do something that gets us out of our comfort zones. And it's amazing how quickly you grow and really enjoy life more. You know, you, you grow as a person and therefore you grow in life. And so I just encourage everyone to get out of your comfort zones and take that next step. Uh, excellent. What a great nugget. What some good advice all the way through that. And uh, if you weren't able to take notes, go home, grab a pen and a piece of paper, rewind it a few times. There's some really good stuff on the a number of topics here. So we're excited. Well, uh, my name is Abel Pacheco. I'm your host for the Five Talents Podcast. If you want to get closer to us or learn more about us, you can go to our website, 5T cre.com that's 5tcre.com and uh, we look forward to having you if you got some wisdom today you got at least one nugget take a moment uh, go to our our podcast and give us a five-star review also uh, for Kyle drop him a note and let him know exactly what uh, what resonated with you and uh, what uh, helped you so we look forward to having you thank you very much for your time Kyle the man thank you very much for joining thanks Abel I appreciate it yes sir bye everyone Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Five Talents Podcast. I'm your host, Abel Pacheco. Each week, we're going to bring you interviews from other industry experts and commercial real estate investors who followed their dreams and achieved massive success. If you enjoyed this episode, then you're going to want a copy of our Passive Investor's Guide, Tackling Commercial Real Estate the Easy Way. It's the guide we use to invest in $93 million of commercial real estate. It's a 65 page ebook. It's a great resource to learn the basic mechanics of multifamily syndications. And we're gonna show you how to evaluate your next passive investment opportunity. So if you subscribe to our podcast now, leave us a review and a rating, I'm gonna give you a free copy. So take a moment to do that now. We'd appreciate it. And then you can register for the book at 5tcre.com forward slash ebook 5tcre.com forward slash ebook let us know and we're going to send you a copy thank you so much for subscribing to the five talents podcast